Crypto Watch is presented by theconstantinvestor.com. I'm Alan Kohler, and every day my writing and podcasts put the financial world into context with a focus on the issues that matter. Join us today. It's only a dollar for the first month. And now it's time for this week's Crypto Watch. This week's crypto interview is with Richard Levin from the law firm in New York, Polsonelli. And he's a specialist in fintech in the US, and he's been a close follower of what's going on with regulation of cryptocurrencies. So here's Richard Levin of Polsonelli. Well, Richard, uh, obviously the SEC is now starting to get involved in regulating cryptocurrencies. Are they trying to just stamp out fraud, or is there a broader agenda among both the SEC and other regulators to bring cryptocurrencies into the the financial regulation system more broadly? Well, I, I would I would actually point out that the Securities and Exchange Commission has launched a number of enforcement actions over the last several years. And all of those actions focused on the sale of products that they believe to be securities that were sold without a registration or exemption from registration with the SEC, uh, and that also may have involved fraud. So I don't think that it's just that they're starting. I think it just is catching people's attention. And I think they have put more of a focus on it recently than they did three, four years ago before the technology had ramped up to the level it is at now. Uh, I do think the SEC and other regulators always are worried about fraud. They're always worried about anti-money laundering. uh, And they're also worried about market manipulation. So I think the focus currently by the Securities Exchange Commission and the Commodity Futures Trading Commission in the United States is in each of those areas. And I think that the agencies in the United States are all cognizant of the scope of their jurisdiction. So when the product looks like a security in the United States, the Securities Exchange Commission steps in. When it looks like a commodity future or a derivative, the CFTC steps in. And if it looks like uh, a money service business, the United States Treasury through uh, the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network steps in. So is the SEC defining all cryptocurrencies as securities, or are they distinguishing? No. No, what they've been doing is they've been saying that if a product is offered and it looks like a security, meaning that it fits in the definition of an investment contract uh, and what's commonly known as the Howey test, then that would be a security. But they've also had other cases where cryptocurrencies have been used to purchase a product that looks like an investment contract or a security. And in those cases, they've said that the cryptocurrency was just used as the mechanism of purchasing the illegally offered securities. So they've they've never said that cryptocurrencies per se are securities. Right, but if if you use a cryptocurrency to purchase a security, then presumably... It's by proxy security. Not the cryptocurrency. If you use a cryptocurrency to purchase a product that is a security. So there have been cases. There was the Satoshi Dice case. There was the Trend and Shavers case. There's been the Munchie case. There have been a number of cases. Uh, the, the Dow case. The FCC did not say that Ethereum was a security. They said the Dow tokens were securities because the Dow tokens met the definition of an investment contract. So it's not a synonym. Cryptocurrency in the United States is not a synonym for security. Uh, The two are distinct. So is the legal community in America 
assuming that this that, that this is here to stay, all the stuff, uh, and that there needs to be a whole kind of, uh, as it were, uh, in the law legal industry around it. Well, if you look at the securities laws in the United States, uh, their genesis federal level dates back to the 1930s. There have been periodic amendments of those securities laws, but for the most part, we're dealing with laws that are somewhat antiquated when compared to the technology that is being developed today. Uh, there have been changes in those laws over time. 1975, they adopted amendments that were meant to uh, implement the creation of electronic trading on, on a national market system. Then we had rules and regs that were adopted in the late 1990s and in the 2000s that, again, were meant to address electronic trading and the advent of electronic markets, what are known as alternative trading systems. So I think that the securities laws are somewhat antiquated, but they also do grant a high level of room for the Securities Exchange Commission to adopt rules and regulations to address new technologies. But Congress in the United States is also looking at whether those laws need to be amended. So I think that uh, there, there's room for changes. Uh, there's plenty of work for lawyers, I can say, lucky for, for me and for others, uh, in giving advice to people in the crypto community on how to try to comply with the law. But the, law, the laws are somewhat out of step with technology. Yeah, I guess there's a lot more going on in fintech than simply cryptocurrencies and blockchain. I mean, uh, the right. uh, the securities laws have to um, have to keep up all the time, don't they? I mean, that's I guess that's the point you're making. It's true. It's true. If you look at the the Dow report, was highly instructive because securities regulatory practitioners like myself have been warning the community that it's not only about the issuers of tokens that could be deemed securities. It's also about the platforms that facilitate the trading of cryptocurrencies and tokens and how those platforms could be acting as unregistered broker-dealers, unregistered exchanges, unregistered uh, alternative trading systems, electronic markets, uh, that some parties could be acting as unregistered transfer agents or clearinghouses. Uh, in the Commodities Futures Trading Commission world, how people could be acting as unregistered swap execution facilities. So there's a fair amount of analysis that has to be done for firms, fintech firms that are stepping into this arena to make sure that they are complying with the laws of the United States. And it's a very similar analysis in most major uh, industrial economies. Regulators in each jurisdiction want to make sure that People that are residents of their country are being protected from fraud and market manipulation and investment products that are sold illegally, and they want to make sure that their system uh, maintains market integrity, that you don't have fly-by-night operators establishing trading platforms that look very similar to a stock or derivatives exchange. Yeah, and I guess it's not just securities law. It's um, there's also criminal law and um, common law in, in play. I, I, and what I'm talking about is the big, the big hacks that we've heard of that that um, that result in you know lots of money uh, being stolen. And I just wonder, um, uh, just bringing in an analogy with kind of normal money rather than cryptocurrency money, who's to fault? Who's at fault? I mean, there's there's a perhaps a tendency to blame the issuers of the currency. Um, Whereas, obviously, with a bank robbery, you don't blame the issuers of the of the money for that. You possibly blame the bank. So, uh, who gets 
who's at fault if there's a big uh, heist from a digital wallet? Well, it depends. The The regulators and law enforcement always say that it depends on the facts and circumstances, whether something is a security. When you're talking about misappropriation, theft, or embezzlement, again, it depends on the facts and circumstances. In certain instances, it could be an external hack. In other instances, it could just be misappropriation by the operators of the market. So anytime there is an alleged hack, I think people in the crypto community always think, First, was it a hack caused by a technology flaw, or was it someone on the inside who misappropriated the assets that were being held at that institution or on that platform? Yeah, fair enough. Yep. So um, uh, where do you think this is going to go to, Um, Richard? You're kind of closely following this area, I guess, as part of your fintech brief. um, uh, where, Where do you think we're going with this? Well, I entered the industry in 1999 with the advent of electronic brokerage in the United States. Back when stocks were traded in fractions and people used to yell at each other on the floor of the stock exchange. And people in their late 20s, like myself, thought computerized trading was the future. And E-Trade was advertising with chimpanzees to show how easy it was to trade stock on the internet. Today, all of those points sound somewhat quaint because we have algorithmic trading, computerized trading on the exchanges, everybody has an online brokerage account, and everybody has a smartphone where they can access their bank and brokerage accounts. And where you can send money to people, at least in your country, if not in other parts of the world. But people forget that the smartphone is only 11 years old, and the computing power of the smartphone is stronger than the five computers that were in the space shuttle, and it's stronger than the computers that took human beings to the moon and back basically my lifetime. So where do I think this is going? I'm going to side with Bill Gates, who said that blockchain, the technology behind crypto, is a techno tour de force. And with Goldman Sachs, who said that the technology could change everything. I do think that the potential of blockchain technology in a variety of industries, finance, shipping, logistics, healthcare, pharmaceuticals, aviation, automotive, just to name a few, Uh, is potentially uh, highly promising. And I think that within 10 to 15 years, how data is stored on traditional centralized ledgers will be very different. I think that we will be looking at uh, a large number of industries which use distributed ledger technology to store data and to manage data and to provide information to their clients. So I guess you don't agree with Noriel Noriel Rubini, who said the blockchain is the most overhyped technology in history. I would say that there are very smart people, uh, Mr. Rubini, and also uh, I believe Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's business partner, who referred to Bitcoin as rat poison, who may not fully understand the technology. And just like people who said that the internet was a bunch of hype and hooey, proved to be wrong. So I'll side with the firms that I mentioned and the technologists that I mentioned uh, in in believing in this technology going forward. And what about the distinction between blockchain and cryptocurrencies? I mean, obviously, much of what you were just talking about was about blockchain. What about the currencies themselves? Well, I think, you know, the, the interesting issue, if you look at the technology today, uh, people still have credit cards, but credit cards have a magnetic strip technology, which, if I'm being generous, is at least an 80-year-old technology. 
many of them have a microchip, chip again, which I'm being generous is a 50-year-old technology. The concept of the credit card is uh, at least 70 years old, right, with the advent of Diners Club. So I think credit card companies realize that the technology is changing, and that's why you're now seeing them use uh, they're embracing blockchain technology. They're embracing uh, digital payment technology, and they're putting it on smartphones. I think also if you look at the leading stock exchanges, uh, for example, all the the stock and derivatives exchanges, the derivatives exchanges in the United States have locked, launched Bitcoin futures contracts. I don't think they would be doing that and having the issues with their regulator, the CFTC, if they didn't believe in the potential of cryptocurrency. And if there isn't a demand among their institutional client base to trade futures connected to cryptocurrencies. So I think the market is speaking. Uh, and I do think we will see cryptocurrencies change. I don't know if Bitcoin will be the winning cryptocurrency in the future. It may turn out to be the first mass industrialized cryptocurrency like uh, the metaphor would be the Model T produced by Henry Ford. It may not be the the victorious cryptocurrency in the long run. There may be other cryptocurrencies and other digital assets that are more widely used and traded. But I think the fact that you're seeing leading investment banks uh, starting to trade these products, leading hedge funds and high-frequency trading firms and exchanges offering futures contracts is indicative that there is a belief in cryptocurrencies in addition to blockchain. Things have got a bit quiet lately. I mean, uh, three months ago when Bitcoin was $20,000 US uh, a piece, uh, that's all everyone wanted to talk about. Uh, you've probably found the same thing. Everywhere you went, people said, what's mm -hmm. going on with uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies? And uh, I found the same. But now, no one cares anymore. <laughs> so I wonder to what extent it's all about the price. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. if you If you look at the boom and bust cycles throughout economic history, uh, I remember reading one book where they talked about the expansion of railroads in the United States, and there were periodic booms and busts. But nine times out of ten, within 15 to 20 years after the, the, the bust, all the railroad capacity, the track capacity was taken up, and there was substantially more capacity. If you look at the telecom bust in the early 2000s following the dot-com bubble, people thought that there was excess capacity. If you look at it now, it's a multiple of what we had at the time to transmit all the data. So... I'm not an economist. I'm not a financial uh, advisor, but I do think that the short-term preoccupation with price, price fluctuations in cryptocurrencies, digital assets uh, are somewhat misguided. I think you have to take the longer-term view of what will the impact of the technology be in a variety of issues. Do, uh, do you own any cryptocurrencies yourself? I do not. And I have to admit, I don't because when I started in this, my wife famously said, I don't care if you want to counsel these companies, don't put our money into it. Uh, but I also didn't ever put money in because I didn't want to appear to be a Kool-Aid drinking fanatic when this was a very right. new technology and to be dismissed by large banks and financial institutions and, and industry representatives that I only was a supporter of the technology because I had an economic interest in it. So I've always stayed somewhat agnostic, uh, sadly so, uh, with respect to cryptocurrencies. Right. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Richard. Thank you very much.